Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Why, hello, everybody. Welcome to, what is the show? It's Take the Black Live, the only show on the internet where myself, Dan Selke of WinterIsComing.net, and Mia Johnson of DorksideOfTheForce.com talk about all things Lord of the Rings, Disney, movies, Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, um, books, little napkins folded into origami cranes if we want to. I don't know. You don't know. We can do anything. The boys... Oh, blah, blah, blah. Here's the materials, the expanse, all things genre, all things sci-fi, all things fantasy, all things, all the time to all people everywhere. Mia, how are you today on this Wednesday? Oh, wow, doing really good. It's a bright, sunny day. I'm going to head out after it this, is. get some groceries, soak up the sun before it, you know, heads down because it's October. But doing well. Yeah, it, it, uh, the weather keeps on being unpredictable here. I mean, is it... Should, should I put the short sleeves away yet? I don't know. I was going to, and then I and, and, yeah, and, and, and then I, was I stopped. Like, I'm not ready to swap out my my closet yet, but I really want to wear fall colors. So oh, that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm so I ready for maroon. fall colors. And, <laughs> Everyone, uh, can it, look, you're in my home. You can see I've got like an orange blanket. I've got orange pillows. I'm like, I'm ready for fall. <laughs> and you can't smell it, but I've got my scents. I went to the Bed Bath, not Bed Bath Beyond. I went to get my fall scents last week, so I'm all good. I'm ready to go. Yeah, I, I look good in maroons and deep blues. So I'm with oh, you yeah. in terms of and browns. Don't get me started about browns. And thanks to everybody who's watching. Hey, Julie. Hey, uh, Angela. Richard, I don't drink coffee. So that was just all me. <laughs> um, and Julie, oh, I'm glad. Uh, you received your uh, Wick Club book, uh, Julie Davies One, a copy of um, Fire Cannot Kill a Dragon by James Hibbard, the behind-the-scenes oral history of Game of Thrones. So got it yesterday. Excellent. Congratulations for that. We'll have a new Wit Club prize at the end of the month. But for now, we're going to talk about some goings-on in the world of TV and movies. And there are some big ones, as always. So the first we're going to start with uh, something that's a little less important, but in my opinion, you know, definitely saucier. Um, Mia, when you think of the Lord of the Rings, you know, uh, dwarves, elves, woods, ants, that kind of thing, um, do you think of the characters becoming amorous with each other? Oh, God. No. No, not at all. 
No, yeah, I don't either. And the reason we bring this up is because according to the OneRing.net, which is a very reliable Lord of the Rings fan site, Amazon is making this big, giant Lord of the Rings show, which God bless them. I mean, it was inevitable. They paid like $500 million for the rights alone. the whole thing. Um, they're doing that. And it's come to the attention of Lord of the Rings fans that they have been uh, reportedly hiring background actors who are comfortable with full or partial nudity. And they brought on an intimacy coordinator, Jennifer Ward Leland. Intimacy coordinators being a fairly new widespread practice that kind of came up after the Me Too movement, which is really kind of cool, where you have basically professionals on set to help actors work through the particulars and the, you know, tensions of a sex scene. But it's like having, it's like an action choreographer, but for a sex scene. And the idea being like, you know, it's an, it's awkward to make. You want someone on there who's like looking out for the actors, right? And like kind of fielding their questions and concerns and being a go between them and, and, and production. But the point is, if you have one on the Lord of the Ring show, that means the Lord of the Ring show is going to have some sexy times. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> While I, I want it laid out there that I am not a prude at all. I mean, I'm a Game of Thrones fan, obviously. I have no problem <laughs> with sex nudity on screen. This caused some um, discussion because I cannot think of a fantasy franchise, maybe any franchise, that is more chaste and sexless than <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Mia, what do you think? Oh, yeah. it's Because Lord of the Rings is that one fandom and no offense obviously where you just really like these are the nerds of the nerds like you know <laughs> this is like where it's really like <laughs> I, you know like, of course like i said i don't want to offend but it's like too yeah, late this mia is, <laughs> all the the real nerds are gonna come after me but um yeah it just doesn't like i'm looking at old gandalf in this photograph and i'm like is, do i have to see gandalf is that something that's gonna happen i don't I don't want to see well, that. <laughs> no, just, I mean, I'm not sure he's in it. Like, 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 Lord of the Rings was always, like, from the start. Like, J.R.R. Tolkien kind of conceived it as this. It's all about, like, pure good and evil, like, um, you know, innocence. And w- where there's evil, it's like this big, dark, dark, cloudy, uh, malevolent, ancient, powerful magic evil. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, it, there just isn't really, there's never any whiff of, like, romance, or at least sex. Like, yeah. and even the romances are all about, like, connecting on, like, this really high moral plane with Aragorn and Arwen being like, I shall love you in, 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 into eternity, that kind of thing. <laughs> like, it, 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 it's just not a sexy series by nature. Yeah. I do object, kind of, here to your saying it's the big nerd stuff. Like, look... You can like Lord of the Rings and like sex and be fine with nudity and stuff on screen. I, I just, no, no, I, I just, I, I, I don't think that it's in keeping with the spirit of the that world at all. So, so when I hear that's going to be, let's have some nudity and sex on the Lord of the Rings show, I think okay, if J.R. Tolkien were alive. I think he would have some polite British things to say about that. Mm, yeah, and I, I overall like if I'm if I fall conservative in like any area, this would probably like be the one part where I generally, when it comes to those type of scenes, I am just like in anything not for it. I don't know if it's because no. I'm embarrassed or I. It's like I don't. I don't know if it's like a desensitization to it as well, but. 
like to me just throwing it in for i think for no good reason mostly is what like i guess bothers me uh (laughs) kind of like in like something like lovecraft country for example there were two like two or three explicit it's ish scenes and to me i'm like if it if like showing that does not add value to the story mm-hmm. and it's just there for kind of excitement or like just gross <laughs> reasons basically yeah for for those sorts of reasons i i honestly am not like i'm like i don't i don't think it has to be in there probably yeah maybe sometimes there are ways where you know it's a scene that has to happen or it shows the relationships between these two characters are really getting intense but to me that's i don't you know it, it's weird to say but it's like i don't really get an enjoyment out of watching that stuff i'm just like can this please be over <laughs> gotcha okay i mean i'm not quite a, on that wavelength like with lovecraft country i thought the scenes could have been sexier frankly i thought the ones between tick and letty were kind of like i'm not really buying this i like the ones between um with gia i thought those are more convincing um i have no problem w- 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 with sex on screen at all i mean like people have sex i think it's fine to depict it um, it's like you said, as long as it's like, it's a perfect, if it's pertinent, like in Game of Thrones, there were plenty of scenes where, I mean, that's a sexy series. Like people have yeah. lust and they're going <laughs> after each other and they have baser desires and they have lusts and loves and they want to get into this stuff. I, I mean, I thought it made perfect sense to show them engaging in sex every once in a while. On Lord of the Rings, it's weird. And I got to say, I read this kind of thing and I'm like, you know what's happening. The Lord of the Rings Amazon writers saw that Game of Thrones was a hit and they're doing what every kind of, you know, reactionary producer does, which is it worked for that show. Let's mm-hmm. do it here without thinking. But does that fit this world? Exactly. And I mean, we're all saying because you know, we haven't like seen any of this. Um, maybe it fits perfectly, but... I doubt it, and my cynical view is they saw Game of Thrones, they saw that Game of Thrones was a hit, and they're like, I mean, Jeff Bezos famously, legendarily said, legendarily, bring me the next Game of Thrones, basically, and this is kind of what it is, and I think maybe his producers are taking that edict a little literally. <laughs> yeah, I, I I do agree with that. They're trying to find their <laughs> footing in this world of, like, basically filling in the void of Game of Thrones, so it's like, yeah, let's, you know cut, copy, and paste basically every single thing that was great about Game of Thrones. And it's like, yeah, we're going to have to wait and see how that turns out. But still, you can stick to the source material. You don't have to go too far offhand for it to be great. I mean, the movies, you know, Peter Jackson (laughs) happened to make them really great. They were really long and you know, there's a lot of long. walking, but a lot of maybe walking. maybe that's why they're going to be having all these sex scenes is because there's not going to be a lot of walking. So it's like, what do we do if we don't want there to be a lot of walking? We have to have intimate scenes. <laughs> yes. Okay. That was the pitch. I solved the case. What if instead of walking, there was screwing? Okay. That's fun. <laughs> I, I don't think I can say anything else on this subject. I mean, I'm trying not to say filthy, filthy words. But um, I, I think it's interesting, and I would bet that it's a it's a result of Amazon and a lot of other producers being like, "Let's do the Game of Thrones thing," and that will go yeah. away eventually. But it's it's just it's 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 kind of dispiriting, just like seeing, like I, I can tell you're not being creative yourself. You're just doing because mm-hmm. someone else did it, and like yeah. that's not cool. Your mom don't want to do that. If, if your friendship with Bridge, would you do it too? No, you wouldn't. If Game of Thrones has sex, would you do it too? I mean, maybe, but you shouldn't if you don't have to. <laughs> that's my take on that. 
I mean, those older movies, like, there was no sex in them, but, like, it's kind of funny the way that works with, like, fan fiction and stuff. Like, people will, like, read into the spaces between when there's no actual sex or relationship and just make one up. And they can be, like, more real and powerful to folk than anything, like, actual in the text. Like, there was no sex in Lord of the Rings movies, but Frodo and Sam stared at each other's eyes a lot. Exactly. And I'm sure that on AO3, they're getting together every other day. Oh, yeah. Isn't that the best part is when you can kind of, you know, it's not explicitly there, but you can read into it and fill in the gaps in your imagination and, you know, thoughts are running wild. You know, uh, what do they say? I, I don't know. I'm forgetting what I was going to say. <laughs> just kind of having that extra bit of oomph to leave to the imagination. You know, just yeah, some close the door. Ooh, what's going on behind those closed doors? I don't have to see it. I'm just going to fast forward. <laughs> what do you think, general viewers? Are you for uh, inserting some sex and nudity into Lord of the Rings? Or should it remain the chaste, pure... Uh, thing it kind of was traditionally. Or what do you think of sex and nudity in general? I mean, good. I mean, heavens knows they talked about it enough on Game of Thrones that it was on. Like, every actress would act like, how do you feel about sex? How do you feel about nude scenes? And they're all like, okay, this question again. Fine, let's go on. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's how I feel about that. In more kind of uh, pertinent business news, um, Mia, it feels like Disney is done with this whole movie thing. Yeah. Disney is, I guess, pivoting. It's kind of the business strategy terminology here. <laughs> basically, they, there was this story that broke over the last couple of days or whatever. They basically, Disney released the news and they're like, so movie theaters are kind of a thing of the past now. They were. (laughs) Yeah. So it seems like what they want to do now is really put a big emphasis on streaming, like movies, television shows. Um, Should we read some of the statements that have come out? (laughs) I mean, basically, it sounds like they're they're calling it a reorganization of their business. And and Disney, of course, being the, 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 the biggest content producer working now. Mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of all the properties they own, all the studios they own, they are the biggest producer of movies and TV in the world right now and probably for some time to come. And yeah, Bob Chopic, their CEO, just came on um, CNBC, I think, and just kind of clarified this position that um, they're going to stop developing so much. They said, Disney's world-class creative engines will focus on developing and producing original content for the company's streaming services, as well as for legacy platforms. <laughs> legacy platforms, meaning boring old movie theaters that nobody goes to anymore. Like, that's considered, like, eight-track to them, apparently, yeah. <laughs> our, our movie theaters. So, and, and like, and, and under this system, you know, they could release, like, a new MCU movie into theaters if, if they think that will make them money. But they're just as likely to release, like, Eternals on Disney Plus if they think that's the better move. I, I, mm-hmm. I guess what they're saying is, like, for a long time, it was presumed you release a new movie into theaters. And then yeah. it can appear in your streaming service or it can appear, you know, like, run on TV or something or whatever. You can sell it on DVD. But now they're like, you know what? We don't need to do that anymore. Like, if we want to, what's the point of listening to theaters if it's not going to make us a buck? 
Like, mm-hmm. let's just, if, if we think it's best to release <clears throat> Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness straight to streaming, then let's just do that and skip theaters. Like, yeah. it, it, it's, it's sort of getting away from the model that we all assumed was, was going to be the thing, you know, forever, or at least for a while longer, and saying, no, the old model is dead. We are Disney. We are king. We're doing whatever we want. And if we want to listen on streaming, we just will. Um, mm-hmm. De-emphasizing that. I guess the question that – a couple of questions that I'm having are, do you think this is like a reaction that will pass to the whole kind of COVID situation where obviously theaters around the world, especially in the U.S., are not really um, on their feet right now? Yeah. Or is this like a permanent thing? Is this like is this the real new normal? Is just yeah. movie theaters are just going to go the way and like become drive-ins, like what drive-ins are now, basically. Oh, like wow. they're there, but they're like <laughs> kind of like for novelty and fun. Yeah. Well, I didn't think about that. Yeah. I think that the roots and the seeds have already been planted for this yeah. to just kind of be the reality. Um, the big thing that came to mind for me was Netflix because Netflix really broke this when they were like, hey, we're going to put out like some really good movie theater quality stuff. Mm-hmm. But you know, we're only going to have it go straight to streaming. Like, we don't really... Netflix had its own theater, basically, so they could run their original movies and they can get Oscar nominations. But at this rate, I feel like it was Netflix that really set the curve for this to happen. Um, So, for example, like, Disney had... One of the movies it released was, like, the one and only Ivan, (laughs) which was, like, this movie about a CGI gorilla, and it's got Bryan Cranston in it. And, yeah, it... (laughs) Did not make a big splash. Apparently, Angelina Jolie is in this too, Sam Rockwell. And that's just one of those things where it's like you've got this movie where it has the, you know, it's basically theater quality. But let's be honest, that was not going to make a lot of money in theater. So I can understand why they would want to put something like this out there direct to streaming. That was Netflix? Um, the one and only Ivan. This was Disney Plus. Oh, I never heard of that. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, see? <laughs> So, like, if this had came out in theaters, it, you know, pandemic or not, I'm sh- I, unfortunately, I think it would have flopped. So, I can see why they're like, okay, why don't we actually kind of just go the Netflix way and do away with this traditional model now where you have to have a big movie theater opening and audience have to pack the seats and all that. Um, so, yeah, they're really kind of driving it home now. This is, I think, what's going to be happening a lot more often. Yeah. I agree with you that... Um it wasn't really the, the pandemic. Like, like you said, like Netflix kind of started this, like when they released things like Roma, which was like a big Oscar contender a couple years back or last year. And just, yeah, just you, you, you don't need to put them in, into theaters anymore. And I mean, like you can make things in streaming that you couldn't get, like that, 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 that you wouldn't get funding for if you were going to release mm-hmm. them in the theaters. Like something like Roma couldn't have been made. Um, or at least they wouldn't have given him money. If you're like, I want to make a black and white Spanish language small scale drama, like, no, yeah. where's the superheroes? What's the, what are we even talking about? Um, and that even though Chopic said that the pandemic accelerated the rate at which we made the transition, this transition was going to happen anyway. I agree with you. It's like th- this was on the way mm-hmm. ever since Netflix exploded and like proved that you could just go right to the consumer and not have to. Go through the trouble of, you know, sending prints to theaters and splitting the yeah. profits with them and not getting any of the popcorn cut and like yeah. all of that stuff. <laughs> it was sort of inevitable that I think eventually 
there would be a world where movie theaters like I think they'll still be around. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hope they'll still be around. I love oh, seeing yeah. things on the big screen. But yeah, they, they, they won't be as important. And this pandemic thing, like, you know, everyone literally can't go to the theater, definitely, like, sped this up. But this was coming for a while. What do you think about it? Like, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah, I'm, to me, I would say I'm definitely sorry to see that this is the way things are seem to be going. And of course it, it's kind of weird because it's like, this is a lived reality already. Like we said, uh-huh. we've been watching movies, you know, out in theaters before all this, we've been watching movies at home, you know, both of similar, you know, streaming quality could sometimes even be better than the stuff that's out in theaters to be honest. Oh, totally. For, uh, for a while. Yeah. And which is, it's funny because when you think back to Disney and the stuff that, you know, was just, what they would call a home release straight to video. That was like, you know, bottom of the barrel stuff <laughs> yeah. or just yeah. any, anything that was released at home was like, you know what, let's just quietly get this out. Let's, you know, nobody's going to want to see it. It doesn't have to make a big splash in the theaters, but now really it's become the exact opposite. And it's like, if you want to make a splash, it might actually be more beneficial for the studio to put it out on streaming where it's just kind of like, okay, you're at home click point and you've got the movie versus you know now i've got to get dressed and i've got to get in the car and i gotta drive to the theater oh. and i gotta pay for parking i gotta pay for the which i hate paying for parking at the movie theater by the way <laughs> the absolute worst those you know city problems but <laughs> i was gonna say like don't you just like take the train or the bike or, or just walk because you're in the city yeah but i'm a, I'm a car person so gotcha. i like to I like to the the enjoyment of having a car, <laughs> cool. but again, it is kind of bittersweet for me because I do enjoy just the whole community aspect of going to the theater and kind of experiencing it on the big screen and yeah, something about I, I the smell too. of popcorn and uh, hearing people's laughter and, and cheering and all that. So I can't wait to go back. I really can't. And I mean, like, and we saw like kind of this play out in like the push of pull of kind of legacy platform people like Richard and the new wave of people. Like, remember when Steven Spielberg was all like, streaming thing shouldn't be nominated for Oscars because yeah. they have to go through a distribution thing. Like, there's no reason for that, really. It's just that there are folk who only think you're a real movie who came out in theaters. But, I mean, look, the movies are going to go where people are going to watch them. And whatever makes people, whatever makes the studios the most money is what they're going to do. And so all I got to do is change the definition a little bit and we're in business. The Oscars still happen. Mm-hmm. And Spielberg, like a minute after that happened, signed up to like make Apple TV plus movies. So oh. like the economic realities get everybody, even mm-hmm. those who are really, who really love um, the theatrical experience. Like Martin Scorsese, like no more old school, old guard filmmaker than him made the Irishman for Netflix which he couldn't get made for theaters because they're like, again, I like, where does Hawkeye show up? I, I, yeah. I, I don't understand this. Yeah. So yeah, always are um, like when folk like Scorsese and Spielberg are making streaming stuff, you know, it's only a matter of time before yeah. that's like where yeah. the industry goes to kind of stay. And I think what's really going to hit is when the Oscars will like for <laughs> sure, for sure change their rules um, which the Emmys has been, you know, the, you don't really, I guess you watch TV at home anyway, so it's nothing has really no. changed so much. But for the Oscars, they've been, you know, so stuck up about, you know, it has to be in a movie theater. Now they've changed it because of the pandemic. No, yeah. 
And they were like, you know, if you were planning on Before having that. a release and it went to VOD, oh, they right. were like, you can, you'll still be eligible. But I don't think they've like for sure, for sure been like, if it's streaming, you're eligible. Right. Before you had to like show the Irishman and like for like a week in a theater in yeah. LA and New York or something to get it to qualify. Yeah. That's going to be gone. Yeah. It's going to be gone <laughs> sooner or later. By the way, Nicole, with a pretty good question, I was wondering. Where do you live? You got to pay to park at a movie yeah, theater. Yeah, go to downtown Chicago or any. There's a place um, up here as well by me where you have to to pay to park because you know parking any parking in the city is is not is not fun. If you go out further, either to the suburbs or to some other neighborhoods, you'll get some free parking there. But usually, the place that I go to is paid parking. <laughs> so I, I take the bus to movie theater. That's what I do. We're gonna do Uber, girl. But, uh, you know, you do what you like. But, yes, I miss movie theaters, too. And, I, and as I said, I'm, I'm sure they'll always be around. But just uh, the industry and the times, they be a change in. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's inevitable, so I don't really see the point in really raging against it. So I just say, um, let's just sit back and enjoy the show. There's a lot of great things oh, yeah. to watch. Um, for example, I finished The Boys um, last Friday. And... I, I won't say anything because I know you haven't seen the finale yet, so I, I won't okay. spoil it. I was going to say, I can put you on mute if you want to just no, give me no, like the no, signal. No, 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 that's fine. I want the <laughs> reaction. Um, yeah, it's a fun show. It's a timely show. The finale was good. It was kind of subversive and violent in all the ways the boys are sort of known for. It uh-huh. was sort of um, also a little timid for that show because, again, I won't say mm-hmm. specifics, but at the end, like, folk kind of end up like where... Like, it's a bit of a reset. Like, I expected the show to maybe, like, be bold, be bold enough to pull a Game of Thrones where, like, half the cast dies or something. Yeah. But it was a little more traditional. Okay, the story arc is over. And now we are going to set up for the next season. Which is fine, okay. too. But, like, the boys is known, you know, for being really out there and yeah. bombastic and gonzo. So I thought maybe they would have, like, a super twist up their sleeve. And I was surprised at kind of how traditionally it ended, but it still ended really well. Okay. I'm looking forward to, I forget, Jensen Ackles is supposed to be in season three, you know, now that he doesn't have Supernatural to do. So I'm like, ooh. (laughs) (laughs) But that's going to be like another year or so. So it is. The show says, I hate time, kill the clocks. Yeah. I'm like, can we just fast forward to. (laughs) (laughs) And no fee for Hero Come Theater. Very nice. I love that. Yeah. Again, like, I, 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 I don't want to keep ragging on me or taking a car. Do what you want. But if, <laughs> if you, I would walk. That's city living. That's the price you have to pay sometimes. Not if you just walk. Okay, never mind. We're done. Um. Anyway, so yeah, The Boys is great. Really, really timely show. Really, really, like, it is the superhero show and Homelander is superhero that we, that, that 2020 oh. deserves. Oh, like, yeah. it's just really, really perfect. The cynicism. <laughs> And the bleakness of it, I think, is really, really effective. Anything you're watching, Mia? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Boy, did I watch a film this weekend. Hubie Halloween on Netflix. Okay, what's the deal with this? (laughs) So this is another one of those Adam Sandler movies that he's, like, churning out on Netflix. Um, Yes. I heard from our friends at Netflix Life. That the um, they would not allow reviews until the movie was like out. Usually a bad sign, <laughs> Which, but yeah, usually that's not a good sign. Um, but it really, to me, it was just another one of those typical like post Renaissance 
Adam Sandler era movies. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, I really love Adam Sandler, and I even like gave him a break with Grown Ups and stuff like that. So basically, this movie <laughs> kind of you. is him playing another, you know, goofy character mm-hmm. who, you know, is the laughing stock of the town, but he really loves Halloween. Nice. And then some strange things are afoot in his little town of Salem, Massachusetts. Uh, so he really packed like a star-studded cast. I'm looking now. It's like Kevin James, um, Julie Bowen, Ray Liotta, Steve Buscemi, Rob Schneider, Maya Rudolph, Tim Meadows, Michael Chiklis, um, Keenan Thompson, uh, and and all these other characters that you kind of like. I don't even want to spoil it. I did have a lot of fun in that arena. He had a lot of good like you know celebrity cameos come up. Um, the first bit started a little bit slow. I was like, oh, this is really going to be an Adam Sandler failure. <laughs> but in the end, you kind of find that even if his movies suck, they do have heart. Like at the end, it's it's kind of like, you know, he he still has the ability to write a compelling story, even if it's not as funny as like Mr. Deeds or Waterboy or something like that. So I would give it something of like a C plus. It gets better in the second half. And like if you just legitimately don't have anything else to watch for Halloween, I'd say go ahead and watch that. Cool. Yeah, that guy has had just the most blessed career of all time. I mean, the name Adam Sandler is so just associated with this kind of goes down easy comedy that he could put out, I think, pretty much anything and just it would be a huge hit. Like, and he's in like his 40s, 50s or something like he's rode that reputation all the way to like the back half of his life. And never mm-hmm. has to worry again. I mean, I remember one time there was an interview that went around that like said that like he chose to do one movie because he wanted to film in that place because he wanted to take a vacation there. And this kind of feels like it, like like it, it, it's it's one of the feels like he just kind of kind of just like just getting his buddies together to like film a movie and like mm-hmm. it's an excuse for them to hang out and then they make tons of money off it, which is fine. Go ahead, live your life. Oh yeah, it's just um yeah, he is an institution and an industry onto himself. And that is something special and rare, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I kind of just call him. It's like, you know, if his friends need some money or something, he's like, hey, <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm making a movie. <laughs> like, who else is giving Rob Schneider jobs right now? Like, probably not a ton of people. <laughs> I know. I know. But, yeah, they, they come around anyway. It was, a you know, a decent movie at best. I'll give it that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm, like, doing all this top-down um film critic annoying analyzing of the Adam Sandler movie, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm, I'm, I'm glad yeah. it was a good time. Just C plus or B minus? Uh, uh, I think B minus might be a little too... I think they're better B minus <laughs> movies, so C, let's keep it C plus. Okay, C plus. <laughs> and Nicole is a local Ren Fair here. Nicole, are they still holding the Ren Fairs? Like, with the COVID? Where are you again? I forget. I would think those are the kind of thing you might close down, but I, but I guess they're outside. So if I don't it's know. outside, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Good. Well, if you go, be careful. Or if you went, I hope you <laughs> were careful and wore a lot of <laughs> layers on um, what I hope was a very elaborate medieval dress with a veil. Ooh, veils! You can use veils at rent. Oh, yeah. To use yeah. face masks, that'd be <laughs> that'd be useful. Okay. Also, we got plenty of good stuff coming up. So I enjoy the boys. You enjoy be Halloween. I'm also looking forward to, we got His Dark Material Season 2 coming on November 17th. Did you watch that uh, first season me at all? Yeah, I didn't I didn't catch it. It was good. It, yeah. It's, 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 it's very much post-Game of Thrones fantasy, but it's HBO, 
So they are kind of sticking. Well, I get there are some Game of Thrones influence. Like this was like a young adult to children's fantasy that I do like a lot. Mm-hmm. And they did a solid job. I wasn't like blown away by the first season, but you can see the, the good bones were there. And I'm hoping that the next season, which adapts the second probably best book in the series, The Subtle Knife, will be a little a little more pulse pounding. And it got better as it went along. And you have that like That's good. that HBO craft, you know, where like the world's all put together. And there are talking polar bears. That's always fun. And uh, a good fantasy romp. Like, it was too right. serious, the show. Like, the book is, like, again, like, for, like, young adults. It's, it's like YA before there was YA, before YA was really a thing. Yeah. Um, but you could tell they were, like, Game of thrones it up a little bit with, like, adding in some, like, more serious subplots. Mm. <laughs> and, and just, I watched it, like, you don't need to do this, people. Like, just... the. The books are good. Just just make the yeah. books. The books are really good. So hopefully, but I, I did enjoy it, and it got better as it went along, and I hope the second season awesome. um, is even better. Uh, we got The Expanse on December 13th on Amazon Prime Video. That show has a big following. That show, um, over the past four seasons, has gathered a lot of people who like more of the sci-fi thing. You might like it, Mia. It's basically Game of Thrones in space is kind of like the tagline it always gets because <laughs> it's sci-fi, but it's very much about like the politics and the factions that are warring and it's the Martians versus the people on the Earth versus people who live on the asteroid oh, belt and kind yeah. of like the waves of power that go back and forth. I've Honestly, I can't super duper get into it. I've tried. I'm still trying. But I know that you enjoy sci-fi. So it looks something that you might want to watch sometime. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I, re- I actually... Um, the woman who plays, it looks like Christian, uh, yeah. Shore Ag- Agdishlu, uh, ran sure. into her at Comic-Con. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so she was she was a really nice woman. So I would watch it just for her. <laughs> and she's good. I do like her part. She's like yeah. uh, like a, a UN politician power broker. And um, she's, she's pretty entertaining. She's my favorite part of the show. That's cool. And finally, of course... Right around the corner, October 30th, end of this month, we have The Mandalorian coming to, speak of the devil, Disney Plus, the second season of the first ever live action Star Wars series featuring Baby Yoda and some other schmucks. Mia, are you excited? Oh my gosh, it's going to be absolutely nuts because this is the first time, well, I covered The Mandalorian last year when it came out, but very kind of like low-key, subtle, you know, here's our review every week. <laughs> sure. I didn't even write the reviews. We had someone to write the reviews for us. Now it's going to be like being over on Dork Side of the Force. We're going all in. We're going to have some great content, especially leading up that uh, first week of October 26th. Ooh. It's going to be incredible, and I'm ready to kind of really deep dive into what's going to be season two <laughs> yeah very very nice i'm looking forward to it too um i loved the first season thought it was a really like an inject like if you start materials is kind of like guilty of kind of drawing things out and like you don't need to make these an hour long just because game of thrones did it mm-hmm. like i loved the mandalorian for just saying we're gonna tell as much story as we want as long as it takes to tell it, which is often like 35 minutes or 40 minutes and like that was great i thought the yeah. pacing was great the action was great. The simplicity was great. And I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what they do as a follow-up. Oh, yeah. It's going to be exciting. It and they had that really... like Star Wars again. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and they had that great Pedro Pascal feature today out in Variety. Yeah, that was good. good. pictures, some good quotes. Um, what a great guy. Wow. Wow, do I love him. How can we get him on the show, please? <laughs> Ooh, okay. Well, I mean, easy. I'll just uh, I'll tweet at him. That should do it. 
There we go. All right. I'll see you next week, Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Julie. You got to go. All We're right. wrapping up you, here, too. Any other thoughts you have me about anything in particular? Oh, man. Wow, we didn't even or get generally. to Lovecraft Country. Oh, my goodness. Oh, we didn't. The we finale could. is next week. It is. Lovecraft Country. Yeah, that show continues to be nuts. Um, yeah, that's really all I have to say. It continues to yeah. be nuts. <laughs> continues to be an entertaining good time. Yeah. I love yeah, the ingenuity this... of it and uh, yeah, how the... um, creative it gets in terms of its effects and how it mm-hmm. always finds something new to explore. It just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming and coming. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really beautiful episode last week, especially that end- yeah. ending. They really know how to nail endings. Um, just really powerful. Um, they went back in time. And that was something I was like, they kept talking about that moment of going back, you know, of Tulsa and everything was happening in Tulsa. And I was like, why? Wow. For some reason, I was like, oh, of course they should go back in time. That. That's like perfect. So that was a really great episode. And they left you off on a cliffhanger. And yeah, I'm like really excited to to watch the finale. I will I mean, I will say, even now, I still don't always understand like the exact why of what they're doing. Yeah. Like yeah. they had to go back in time to get the book mm-hmm. of names. But is there a reason they had to go back to like that exact moment? Like, couldn't you have gone back to when there wasn't going to be, like, everybody bombing and burning down the city? Or or, or do they have to do that? Yeah, like, that was one of those things explained? where, to me, it felt like, you know, drama for the sake of the plot. Um, I couldn't tell if there was, like, a photograph in Montrose's wallet. So, I don't know if it was, like, that photograph was dated on that day and that was the only that way that it. they could... Yeah connect to that i think that maybe that was their excuse but otherwise it was kind of like yeah why not just go back like literally the day before <laughs> i mean of course they want to do tulsa because like that's such a big moment in american history and they want to give a take mm-hmm. on it shows all about race relations that's like a giant moment for it and by the way can i say like remember when the watchman show premiered and there were all those articles on like what's the Tulsa race massacre and like no one had heard about it and now like it's the second hbo show in a row it's taken like yeah. a deep like really hard look at it um i think it's interesting like it just seems to be the moment i guess for um exploring that part of history and it's good yeah it opens you up to all these little little moments of history so yeah i'll admit like like, i did not learn that in school at all i learned like years later like what what's it did you hear about in school or just growing up yeah they really did not I don't honestly remember ever learning about that either. And it, it's interesting because I will admit, I went to a predominantly black school in my mm-hmm. area. So we do, we had like an emphasis on like black history and black learning, uh, especially during February. But sure. of course, when you're sticking to like the book that the state of Illinois issues you, you know, right. you don't, <laughs> you don't get all of that stuff. So yeah, this was new to me too. That's so fascinating. I mean, it would be cool if like, if, you know, if, if HBO shows change the way People are taught in schools, even. I wonder if that kind of thing yeah. can happen. But yeah, the show is terrific. Um, I, hope, I hope they stick the landing. I have no reason to think they won't. And I'm looking forward to this Sunday. Although they're not giving a screen, which kind of bites. Because um, I, I would like to know now. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm really anxious. So, gosh, yeah. Well, until Sunday. Daniel will be on our show. Um, unless you're too busy, you know. What? No, always- <laughs> I already committed. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. If y'all want to listen to me and Dan ramble a little bit more, we'll be on Lovecraft Country Chronicles late, late Sunday night as soon as that episode drops for that instant reaction. If you want to hear uh, the audio version of Take the Black Live, feel free to go check it out on iTunes, Google Play, wherever podcasts are 
listened to or downloaded. Thanks much for listening, guys, and watching. We'll be back next week, Wednesday, 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. Talk about more things sci-fi, fantasy, TV, movies, elf sex, whatever is happening at the time. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Fansighted. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.